What's new, listeners? I'm Arthur Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. If you want to mood for reviews of books, movies, and TV shows, then join in. Today, we're diving into Klaus, the 2019 animated Netflix Christmas movie starring Jason Schwartzman and J.K. Simmons in an origin story for the Legend of Santa Claus that's set in 19th century Norway. Hanging out with me for this discussion is Dustin Holden, host of the podcasts Dustin Can Read and Watch, as well as the Rewatch Recap. Say hi, Dustin. Hey, <laughs> how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Having a good day today. Good. And I, I want to thank you very much for coming on here today. Oh, totally. Thank you for having me. And for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with your shows, do you want to give like a little, you know, little blurb about them? Sure, sure. Dustin Can Read and Watch is the first show that I did on my own. I did, started it in 2020 during the pandemic. Uh, I, I was already on a podcast before that. It was Dustin and Katie Can Read. And then um, I ended up going solo. It became Dustin Can Read. And then I started doing uh, television shows as well, talking about them. So um, mainly the books I read were YA or middle grade books. And the TV shows were just newer shows. And I would just talk, give a quick little review on them and maybe have a discussion with a, a, you know, a guest. So that became fun. And from there, I branched off this year to the rewatch recap, where I go back and watch shows from, I don't know, growing up and to now ones that I've seen and just decided to rewatch some things and see them from a different perspective now that I'm an adult or, you know, now that some time has passed and I have a, a co-host for each different show that I do, the same co-host for those episodes for whatever television series I'm talking about and uh it's been fun it's been a lot of fun uh doing those so that's a good idea yeah I uh rewatch recap we've only done two shows so far and um the first one was uh the first season of Scream the TV series and right now we are in the middle of recapping all 19 episodes of my so-called life which was my favorite show of all time so yeah I've had a lot of fun doing that yeah, that's all great. Yeah, going to the books and TV shows. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And now, again, once again, thank you for coming on here. And now we're going to start getting into our thoughts on Klaus. But before that, I do want to say that this is, again, this came out in 2019. I've heard, I've always heard so much, so much praise for this when it, back, when, back when it came out. And mm-hmm. so it's been in the watch list for a long time. And this was, uh, this was directed by. Sergio's Pablo's and his directorial debut. And he was also one of the writers. The co-director was Carlos Martinez Lopez and Zach Lewis and Jim Mahoney were the co-writers. And I want to say for for Pablo's in particular, he was actually one of the co-writers and producers for Despicable Me, which I was surprised to find out. And he also oh, wow. yes, and, and he also wrote the unpublished uh, Shortland's book, Yeti Tracks which ended up being sort of kind of like sort of the basis for uh, the movie Smallfoot. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. Yeah, pa- yes, pa- and Pablo had been a producer for that movie as well. He's also listed as the writer's director for the animated Netflix movie Ember, which is listed as having a release date of 2023. And from what I've seen of it, like there's a poster for it. It has like a similarly kind of like traditional animation style. And it, it looks pretty interesting. Like, there's even like a premise for it where it says that it follows the epic adventure of Dikita, a young girl who sets out to receive a spark from a distant volcano in order to save her tribe. 
which you know I'm interested in. So you know when Ember comes out, I'll be keeping an eye out for that. Yeah, that sounds interesting. And budget for this was forty million dollars for Klaus, which I feel like that is surprisingly cheap for any like not even just an animated movie, like any movie, forty million dollars, especially these days when you have like the MCU, you know, going up to like two hundred million dollars, or even like you know Avatar: Way of Water or other big blockbusters like that. Yeah, it sounds like maybe a lot of that money went to the voice talent, and you know the rest was they probably got some up and coming animators to work on it. That way they wouldn't have to pay too much. That sounds like that kind of deal. Plus it was for television for the most part. So probably. And now let's get into our non-spoilery, uh, soft and feelings on Klaus. So Dustin, what did you think of this? I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, it, uh, it had some really good themes to it. It had a lot of good, uh, tie-ins to the lore of Santa Claus and um, I thought it was really good. I thought maybe uh, the the one issue might have had with it was it might not have been as appealing to a younger audience for certain reasons, which I'll get into later. But I, I really did think it was a good story overall, and it was fun to watch. Good, good. And as for me, I also had a good time with this as well. I really did enjoy it. I think, the, as I was saying, the story... The themes and uh, the animation. I also want to comment on the animation. I really, I really loved this. How just visually it looked and how it was aiming for the hand-drawn animation, but it also, uh, and, and I actually didn't know this until, until, until I looked it up. But it also made use of CGI, like computer animation with the lighting, combining like computer-generated lighting with the hand-drawn animation. To yeah. give it more of a three D look, this is the first traditionally hand drawn animated movie to use that technique. Yeah, I think it was kind of it kind of gave me a little bit of a um, into the Spider Verse vibes in a way because Ooh. that kind of had the two D animation with also yes. mixed with the CGI. I mean, obviously it wasn't as like you know, uh, into the Spider Verse was more cinematic looking, you know, as far as like the way they did everything. I think it might have been three D as well uh, as far as when they put it out it might have also been available in 3d but this had that kind of appeal to it where it was like they would like in the beginning they they go through the town and you kind of see everything goes by in like a you know cgi way but everything's 2d you know so i thought that was really interesting yes i'm also uh, someone who appreciates uh hand-drawn animation as well so whenever i see a pop-up and contemporary movies i'm also always kind of a kind of a sucker for it i feel like the same way that i'm also kind of a sucker for stop motion animation as well as going for different stuff. Yeah, the traditional forms were are still, you know, they're not as, they're, they're few and far between nowadays. So it's kind of, it's nice to see them going back to the old style every so often and not just relying heavily on computer generated images, you know. Yes. And I would say, I feel like the plotting for this movie is pretty predictable. I feel like it's not like, trying to break any tropes with like how the plot unfolds, the story unfolds, you know, it's not going to surprise you at, at, yeah. you know, with how it's, you know, going about this origin story, but I feel like what, it, it, I feel like it goes deeper than that with like the themes and like the little moments where it ends up being pretty clever. And there's actually, there's even like one element, I will admit that I will get into this in the spoilery plot breakdown, but there's one element of the movie 
where I completely missed it. It just flew over my head until I was looking up stuff like the movie. And then I was like, oh, this was, more, this was supposed to represent that. Oh, yeah. So, so <laughs> and, and I'm wondering, like, wait, what are the little details like that have I missed? <laughs> but it was too subtle for me to catch on to. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with it. It was a little simplified as far as like the plot goes and whatnot. But, you know, I'm not mad at that because, I mean, that's the reason why we watch Hallmark movies. That's the reason why yeah. so many movies are popular because they're easy. They're basic format. They might have still have you can still have good writing with a basic format. You know, you can still have, you know, good jokes or just good basis for a story. You know, it, it's got to feel comfortable for the audience. And when it's something like a Christmas movie or something that's aimed at a younger audience or a family audience, it you want it to be you don't want it to be too complicated. So, it, and you know, that's why, you know, I, I appreciate it anyway. So I think that's why it's still appealing. Yes, yes. And I also enjoy the, the instance of cast that, you know, Netflix was able to grab for the movie. You know, you got like Jason Schwartzman, J.K. Simmons, uh, Rashida Jones, Don Cusack, uh, Norm MacDonald. This was actually his final film role before he passed away in 2021. Oh, wow. Which, I didn't know that. I know. And watching this movie did add a bit of a a bit of sweet note to that you know i like, mm-hmm. hearing his voice and i guess final film role he definitely has one of those recognizable voices for sure yes the most recognizable out of all of them i think also you gotta you gotta point this out as aj simmons he plays klaus who will you know, obviously end up becoming santa claus in this movie he is also going to play santa claus and the upcoming Christmas action movie, Red One, starring Dwayne Johnson and Chris Evans. Oh, so, wow. I didn't know that. I know. It, 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 when, I, when I found it out, I was just like, oh, that's a hilarious little coincidence. That <laughs> Simmons going back to the old Santa Claus role. Why not? Why not? Yes. All right. So those are our general thoughts and feelings on Klaus. So now we can give our wind-up score. And now this is where we each get to give a score. It ranges from 0 to 100 for whatever we're covering. So, Dustin, what is your wind-up score for Klaus? I'd say I'd give it about 75 out of 100. Um, because it was good overall. And I think that, you know, like you said, there's the simplified plot. It wasn't too overcomplicated. So you got to take off a few points for that. Just, I mean, I know, you know, it was a family movie, but you got to take off a few points. But, um, and there were some elements to it uh, that I think maybe missed the mark a little, but not so bad that it was not watchable. So I, I kind of give it, you know, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> Three fourths. <laughs> um, so 75% of it was good. It's, it's rewatchable to me. I think if it, if I catch oh, yeah. it on or if I decide to just put it on in the background, it's something I can still enjoy. Definitely. Definitely. And what did you play? Me- as for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a wind-up score of eighty out of hundred. Okay. Yeah, like, like you were saying, maybe take off a few, a few points for kind of like the simplification, the familiarity of plot. But I feel like that's really my like my only you know, I guess criticism, if I can call it that, or like, you know, gripe for the movie, which I think overall is you know quite enjoyable. And again, just like the way again, draw smart little moments in the script and the way that it. it Deliberate the themes and the narrative that I do think elevated it, elevated in my eyes, along with the animation, of course, and just uh, the humor. I think I think this movie is also quite funny as well. Not it's not like laugh out loud funny, but it's more like more like little like chuckle worthy gags. 
scratched out so yeah. many. And yeah, I agree with that. It was very, um, uh, it had some just humor, some light humor, some, you know, it's kind of make you smile kind of humor, kind of warms your heart type of stuff. Not yes. anything that was like guffaw worthy, you know. <laughs> yeah, hot warming content, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that, so overall, that, you know, puts on to the, to the package. And I think, you know, like you were saying, we watch board. I can see why people love this, why people will, you know, rank it so highly on the Christmas, li- Christmas movie lists. And so, yeah, 80 out of 100 for me. Didn't this movie get nominated or win some awards? I, could, I didn't know for sure. I thought I heard that at one point, and I didn't find anything about it yet. But I maybe I'm mistaken. But I thought it did. Oh yeah, it was an okay. Oh, I just Bata. found it on IMDb. Bata it was an Oscar was a, nominee. Ooh, and also BAFTA Award for Best Animated Film. It did win the Annie Award for Best Animated Feature, Annie Award for Best Character Animation in a Feature Production. It did pretty well. Okay. Nominated, okay, good. Nominated for the Oscars, okay, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that, you know, re- reaching re- reaching those kind of rankings for words, yes. And now we can move onwards to the plot breakdown. So, listeners, if you haven't seen a movie before, and, you know, you want to go into the spoilers, you should, you know, pause the episode, and you can go, go put it on, watch it on Netflix, or Turn away you, now. Turn it off now and go watch it and then come back. <laughs> or if you have seen the movie already, or maybe if you haven't seen it, but you're okay with spoilers, then, you know, you can stay right here. Although, you know, you should go watch it. It's really, you know, really good. <laughs> and now let's get into the movie, Klaus. So the way this opens up, I really did love how, just how quickly Jason Schwartzman's character, Jasper, he is just established as being this spoiled, lazy little brat who, you know, who lives at the Royal Post Academy, and he is just he, he's just so comfortable there. But then his dad ends up basically picking him up and is like, "Nope, you are just blazing around, not making much use of your life, not working hard enough. So you need to, uh, you, you need to get an ass whooping, basically." Yeah, it kind of it kind of gave me I don't know why, but it reminded me at the beginning of Billy Madison, where he's just that spoiled. He doesn't want to do anything. He just wants to hang out and lay in his satin sheets or whatever they were and just, you know, be lazy and rich. And, you know, that's what it reminded me like they had that kind of vibe at the very beginning. But, uh, yeah, I like how it, it started off. Yep. So his dad disciplines him. By assigning him to be a postman who would establish an office all the way over in the kind of like this Arctic region of Smearensburg, this tiny little town. And Jasper does try to sneak out of punishment, but nope, his dad is really firm. And I was like, you know, good on you, dad, for like not trying to let him, you know, weasel out of this. Because <laughs> even I'm just these first few minutes, I was like, no, he needs, you know, he, he, needs, he needs this punishment. He needs to be sent off. I will say, though, how is his father rich just from working at the Postal Service? <laughs> Does he own the Postal Service? It seems like this whole academy. He must own this academy that is, a, you know, re- and, and also run the Postal Service. So I'm wondering, like, how is this? Where does he get this money from? <laughs> it's like not it. that lucrative. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, it's, it's not all the way back in 19th century Norway. It's just like 
yeah, it's not that profitable, really. It's just it's a postal service. Yes, it's important, but it's not something to make money off of, really. Unless right, unless you have like I don't know, maybe you have some like membership crap going on, you know? Like, ooh, yeah, or it's some kind of like FedEx, UPS type s- service. You know, that's the only thing I could think of for being profitable. Yeah. And and on top of that, Jasper must deliver six thousand letters in one year, and if he doesn't, his dad will cut him off. From his privileges, and Jasper's has to. So he goes off, takes a trip to Smearsburg, even like to the drill sergeant, who, by the way, is actually played by J.K. Simmons. Oh, really? Yep. He and he asks his dad, like, "Hey, maybe you're being too harsh," but his dad says, "No, he needs a wake up call, and you know, he might might even thank me for it." And by the way, uh, Sam McMurray also has an uncredited role as the voice of Jasper's dad, who you may okay. know him from, like. Freaking geeks, friends, king of queens, um, um, those sitcoms and shows. Yeah, that's awesome. And then Jasper sails off to the town of Smearsburg with the with the sailor Mogens, who is played by McDonald. And I love also how they end up setting up Mogens as well, the character here. He is such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he is so. Oh man, he's a piece of work. Yeah. <laughs> How he treats him in the very beginning, especially. Oh yeah. And even uh, even when they're sailing along, and there's that huge sea creature skeleton hanging off that rock, and I'm just like, whoa, what the hell did that come from? How did they hang that up there? I also I also love how Mokins says, "You should see it in the spring. That's when those greys really pop." When he's talking about Snowbrook, <laughs> and this is a setting, and then we get to the, and then we get to the town itself, and it's it's such an odd town because on the one hand it looks so depressing, and just so grim, but also really unnerving too it applies because it's like the, the, the kids like pushing that old guy in his rocking chair down the snowy road, or there's like two people who they're made to look like they're carrying a body. I'm assuming it was just like a carpet, maybe, but it sure does look like it's supposed to be a body. Oh, I think it was a body. <laughs> I am almost, I'm almost 100% sure that was a body. And those kids were the weirdest kids, just staring at him blankly as he walked by. Like, we're not doing anything. Keep walking, you know? Like, and they're working on the frowning snowman with the carrot sticking out all over it. Like, they're supposed to look like <laughs> knives or blades. Or, like, yeah, he got shot or something with carrots and. And those kids reminded me of something out of a, like a like Nightmare Before Christmas or something. Just very like yes. you know they had the round heads and the big eyes and like they're really pale and they, yeah they they reminded me of like the kids that like Jack Skellington like gave presents to on you know Christmas. So <laughs> you little rascals. <laughs> and Jasper he he has to deal with some trouble because there, there's this whole bit where when he when he rings his bell. But kind of like in, in town, the, citizen, the citizens all of a sudden start just brawling, going into this rampage. And <laughs> and we, we've seen this a few times. So it's like whenever the bell rings, it's like, oh, they can start fighting. Just tearing each other apart. Yeah, because what's his name? Um, oh, man, Norm MacDonald's character. He uh, uh, Mogan's. Yeah, he, he, he tricks him. He goes, yeah, just let them know you're here. They want to know you're here. Ring that bell. And he doesn't know that it's like the feud or the battle bell or something like that. That's what he's called. So because yeah. the entire town is like pretty much made up of like two families 
and everybody in these families have been feuding since like basically the dawn of time. Yep. So, Chicks Chick Sams and the Elling Bros. Yes. <laughs> and then Jasper meets Alba, who sells fish but used to be a school teacher and she's played by Rashida, Rashida Jones. Yeah. And, and she's still in the schoolhouse. She just like hangs fish everywhere. <laughs> There's so, a blackboard and everything. I also love how the camera zooms in on on her when she's like cutting up the fish. Just zooms right in on the on the fish. And <laughs> and, and again, she used to be a school teacher, however, her parents weren't sending their children to school. So that's why she's now transitioning over to the, you know, fish selling business. And then Mogan's escorts Jasper to his rundown home. And this is, like, when I say rundown, it is pretty rundown. It is a shack. Yeah. For the most part. Yep. Boarded up windows. And... Remember the bathroom was like, you had to go, you had to reach the bathroom over this, like, flank thing in the Yeah, day? it was like on the bat. Well, it's an outhouse for one thing, but it's oh, an outhouse yeah. on, on stilts that's very, like, it sways every which way. And he has to walk this like two by four planky, like tightrope style way across to just to go to the to the bathroom, which I thought was funny. They put a bathroom in this animated movie about Christmas, you know, but, um, it's, you know, it's a thought was like, OK, we're going there. And I did not want to see him using the bathroom. So thankfully they oh, no. didn't give us that. But um, I mean, <laughs> you would have met like Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo or something. But uh, yeah, so. I thought that, yeah, that was hilarious. I was like, oh my gosh, why? Why? Get out of there now. I don't care what your dad says. Get out. <laughs> yep. And then uh, Jasper, next, ne- the next day, there's this whole point where he's trying to deliver this drawing uh, back to his kid because there's like this kid in the house who lost the drawing and fell out of the house. And so Jasper ends up trying to deliver the drawing back to the kid. But he's like, no, wait, I, I want to mail this. So, just, hey, kid, you know, drop down a penny. And I can get, you know, I can stamp this, you know, make it start official, put it back in the, put it back in the mailbox to deliver to you, making my first Kid learned about extortion early on in life. <laughs> and again, again, this is like, he, again, this is his way of weaseling, you know, trying to weasel through things, just shining through. But no one sends mail. He has to. He's doing all he can. He's like, I got to get this going so I can get the heck out of this town. Yep. But the scheme does not work out, to say the least. It bites, no. him, it bites him in the butt. And I, I, would, I would say that that person who owns that house and who ends up getting in the, you know, who ends up getting into shenanigans with Jasper, I actually thought that he had maybe kidnapped the kid. I thought that's how dark you were getting here, that the kid was like a prisoner in this house because the way yeah. it's even draw it's drawing itself i think it's even hence i think it's even pointed out like hey like implied maybe in the drawing but like he's locked up like right. behind bars and i was like yeah. oh i mean it would fit considering the town itself and the and, poor and, kid like, in his drawing he's like his face is a frowny face you exactly. know it's like i don't want to be here exactly and the guy he looks like the guy, I, whoever his, I don't know if it's his father, if it's his grandfather, or what, like you said, his kidnapper. He kind of looks like one. Of, this a lot of these like characters look a lot like characters from Nightmare Before Christmas because he looks like I think the Undertaker or whatever that was in Nightmare Before Christmas. He has that like the scraggly hair and the hat. Um, oh, I think I know who you're talking about, but yeah, that, that does, yeah, that, that does sound appropriate actually. 
Not even Professor vibes. I wonder if this was kind of like that was what they were going for with the animation, like an homage to like Nightmare Before Christmas. Like this is where Santa got his start, kind of thing. And then you know you yes. could watch Nightmare Before Christmas afterwards and kind of see like a tie-in. Funny, and yeah, the both Christmas movies. That's that's funny. And also, the two sides of the town are just sabotaging each other. Like, one of the acts is, like, the, a neighbor, like, throwing this muck, this slime, up on the towels as they're drying up in the, in, in the other, in, like, the neighbor's yard. Or the little <laughs> accidents that all these, you know, citizens. It's like a, yeah. It's like a Jackson Pollock painting, but with, like, like trash and poop and it's probably poop actually because you know oh. people used to do that they used to go in buckets and then throw it out the window so that's probably, probably what it was and again yeah this is, this is the 19th century so it would make sense yeah and a good amount of time passes but there's no male activity it is just all isolated and then Jasper ends up finding the, the cabin owned by who will find out is owned by Klaus and Morgan's is just like Oh, sure, go over to it. It's, again, the same thing as Battle Bell. Even though it's like it's clear Jasper should not just leave it and it's resident alone. But Bogan's <laughs> just like, oh, yeah, check it out. Yeah, he loves visitors. Go go, go hang out with him. He loves it. And then, even like the, the pickaxe, I love that shot of the pickaxe passes by mm-hmm. the window, just really setting up the creepy vibes. And there are all these toys in this cabin. And then we, and then Klaus kind of shows up, like, we don't see the full form of Klaus, but we do see his glinting eyes. And at this point, I was like, oh, this is turning into full-on horror. <laughs> yeah, that was the that was the idea, because that's what he saw. He saw an axe murderer. That's what he saw. He saw this yep. big, like, you see this big brute silhouette, and you also, like, get close up on his eyes. You don't see, like, his full face or his full, exactly. like, appearance right off the bat. You just get, like, glimpses, so it's supposed to represent, like, this killer or this maniac that's coming after him with an with an axe and he's freaking out and trying to hide the entire time and he ends up like knocking over to- all those doll heads and oh. the roaches that crawl out of the doll heads oh, oh. oh. hey i know i'm like Ugh. and uh and then he like he accidentally sets off all those toy soldiers like the, the band that it's like a band of toy soldiers like a little you know wind up thing and, it, and that's when klaus is like who's in here kind of thing he doesn't say anything but he's like looking yep. and he's like he's trying to hide and yeah i thought that was really cool and, and then Jasper runs away, but oh no, he forgets the shower's drawing, and Klaus ends up picking it up. And then we have him, we have Klaus forcing Jasper to deliver the drawing back to the child, and Jasper has to evade traps, like the, like bird traps, and other traps like that, along the way. He almost gets shot by the kids, I guess, I guess maybe like dad, or, you know, and prisoner, I, I guess I'm. A, I guess maybe it's supposed to be a dad, but who knows? Could be, could be like an prisoner as well. But yeah, I guess I we're supposed to think him. that it's the father or the grandfather, one of the two, because he one looks of, kind of old. One of those. So one of those. But Jasper almost gets shot by him along the way, then, and the kid <laughs> and the kid ends up being left with that little wind up frog toy. That was a cool toy. Like for any yeah. century, that was a cool toy. Definitely. And the fact that it randomly hopped at different places and you tried to catch it and it looked like a real frog. Yeah, I want that toy. Oh, yeah, certainly. And then after that, three kids show up at Jasper's place with their own stamped letters, a penny each, to ask for a toy because that other kid was actually their cousin. And he told them, hey, if you send a letter to Klaus, he'll, you know, just make, you know, he'll make him a toy. And that's what happened with the first kid. And now it's like, 
and, and now this is how the, the Santa Claus tradition starts. Yeah, that's where yeah Jasper's like, huh, I got an idea. All these kids start sending letters, and then I'll go back up to Klaus and say, hey, look, you got all these toys. Why don't you give them the kids? You know, and you know, here's some letters. These kids want toys. Take them to these kids, and and that's where it kind of snowballs. And starts up this whole like uh, writing letters to Santa type, or you know, yes. letters to Klaus. But yeah, I also love how Jasper when he's approaching the kids, how it looks like he's selling drugs. The way he's being so <laughs> sneaky about it, it's going in the shadows and like, hey, hey, kids, you know, you you want to do this? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want a good toy? You want to have fun? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Give me a penny. <laughs> There's also when Jasper returned to Klaus and was doing this whole deal, there was a moment where Klaus like sees this magic wind and how it's forming around Jasper. And now this is what I want to point out now, because the wind plays a role. We, we, we see the wind pop up several times throughout this movie. And I want to ask you now, what do you think the, the magic wind represents? Uh, I don't know. I don't okay. know. What do you think? Okay, good. Because... <laughs> This this was this was the thing that threw over my head because when I watched this, I was just assuming like, oh, it's just a generally magic wind that's part of the movie, you know, just made Maybe up. Maybe it's kind of like a, a spiritual thing, like you just know, you know, you just kind of, you know, the wind blows and you're like, and then there was this like halo type of thing with the leaves and the light behind, you know, all that kind of stuff. It kind of felt like a sign you just know inside. That's the only thing I can think of. It's like it's just one of those things you just feel. You know, almost like a religious experience, but not, it wasn't religious. It was just more of a spiritual thing, you know? So here's the thing. So when I looked it up, apparently it's actually meant to represent Klaus's late wife, Lydia. And okay. that it's, 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 her, it's like her spirit form guiding Klaus and Jasper. For example, there's actually a moment towards the end when Klaus is talking about Lydia and he says that sometimes it feels like she's still with him. In that moment, the wind was swirling around outside, and that's meant to be kind of information that that's her, that she is still with him indeed. And even in okay. the end, it's a wind that sweeps him away when he says, like, I'm coming, love. And he walks yeah. away, and he disappears. That's Lydia taking him away, right. and he's joining her. And then, you know, yeah, because he saw the wind, and then he looked up, and there was the silhouette of Jasper, but it was, but it actually kind of looked like his wife, or that's what he thought it was. Yes, you know, yes. and you're like, I was like, is that a woman? And then I was like, no, wait, it's got to be Jasper. But, it, you know, that's what he thought. He thought he saw his wife, you know, the thin frame of his wife through this, like, the silhouette up behind the sheet. And um, so that kind of makes sense how, and it kind of made him look up. The wind made him look up in that direction anyway. And that's what he saw. Mm -hmm. And he thought, oh, my gosh, my wife. And it wasn't. But it was Jasper. And he knew somehow he needed to, you know, do, you know, get with Jasper and start something, you know. Yes. And see, it's, see it, that's what I'm talking about. Little subtle things like that, where that's why I would actually like to rewatch this in the future, because then I'd be able to pay attention much more to those little details. Mm -hmm. And be like, oh, this is what the movie's going for, these little clever, slight details. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why, like, my score was a little low, because not, not because I didn't like it, but because I think it was kind of a little too deep for a child. To understand mm. sometimes like the that kind of stuff like um and then they can still they can still get that there was spiritual stuff but the it made the movie 
more adult and it moved a little slower than I thought like a, a, a family or children's movie would move. Mm. Um, and the color tones were so dark and gray toned. And um, the only time you saw color was when it had something to do with like Klaus's, you know, making toys or anything like that. Joyful. That's the only time you saw color, which I understood as an adult. But as a kid, I probably wouldn't have been into it because it because of how it moved and and how it kind of just it paced itself a little steadily, a little slower than I would have liked, you know, but I, I mean, I still liked it though. So I can understand that. Yeah. And then draw some kids from the opposite sides, from the adding bows and the clowns who are playing together. So they're away from each other. And one of the kids ends up being taught the history of the clown adding bow rivalry, which includes the great mooning of 86. And it goes so far as to have like these little, these little models, these little butt models pop up. Yes. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, all of a sudden, just like all these little buildings and the windows open up and all these little wooden butts come out. <laughs> that was really funny. I liked that part. Just to show like, hey, how, how, how far back this goes. This rivalry is so intense. The, the hatred between the two clans. <laughs> it went so far as to go to the point of mooning. <laughs> and then uh, and then Jasper goes on his first night of deliveries which you know it's not it's not like totally smooth so something you know clumsiness that happens like he's trying to you know do the deliveries deliver the toys go into the houses mm-hmm. and, like and I, I love how like there's even like a, a mini montage of him trying to go down through like the chimneys or structures like that in the houses and he's just you know of course like what what Stan is supposed to do in Legends and now Jasper is doing it. Yeah, it's basically Jasper creating all the like the historical things for. I mean, unknowingly, like creating all these historical things, like leaving some of the presents in some socks by the fireplace, or you know, going down the chimney, and you know, or um, even like putting the lump of coal in that one kid. He realized it was one kid's house that he was such a jerk to him, and he was like, you know what? No, no, you're not getting this present, kid. You're a jerk. And he leaves him a lump of coal in his stocking or sock by the fireplace. And so it's like little things like that creates this legend of Santa Claus, basically. Yes. Uh, we also get an introduction to uh, to a kid named, who we learn later as, as, Mag- as Magu, who is Sami. And she and she's one of the kids. Like She can't speak, she doesn't speak English in the movie. And she, she speaks Sami. And she also like isn't able to write, and right. she has like a, a whole lot like, in the movie where like they teach yeah. her. And... What, what 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 nationality is she supposed to be? I thought maybe Russian. They said specifically in the movies, uh, Sami as A A M I, which I okay. think is, is based off of a real thing. Okay, I think it was because of the way she was dressed. It felt it reminded me of like old school Russian attire, you know. Yes. Oh, so they are they are real just just the Sami people. S A M I, and that's what Maggie and her family and her and her community is based off of. Where are they based? Are they based um, Norway as well, or is it? It looks like it's based off of like Norway, like kind of like Sweden, Finland. Okay. Interesting. It's just more like rural indigenous type people. Yeah. To that area. Okay. A Finno-Ugric speaking people. Large northern parts of Norway, Sweden, Finland, and the end of the Murmansk Oblast, Russia. Most of the Kola Peninsula in particular. Okay. okay. Well, there you go. That makes yeah. sense now. 
And then there are also other kids as well who also don't know how to write. So Jasper sent them off to Alva and like, you know, for to teach them how to write. Although it pisses her off because she just wants to escape this crummy town. Yeah, she's pretty bitter because she came there with like big dreams of being the school teacher, the school master or whatever of this town. And they're all focused on their feud and being ignorant. And they're like, we're not going to send our kids because, you know, that they sent their kids, they would have to have basically two separate schools because nobody, you know, and they don't want to send their kids to one school, I'm sure. And all they're going to do is fight. So they decide not to do that. And so it's the only thing she can do. She can't get out of that town. She has no money. So she has to sell fish in order to save money to get out of there. And she's been doing this for so long and she's gotten so bitter. I think it's been, she'd been there for five years or so. And, uh, and, so when he shows up, says, hey, you're going to teach or these kids show up because he tells her, hey, you should go to the schoolmaster to to um, the schoolmistress, whatever, to teach you. And she's like, nope, not going to do it. She's cutting all these fish, chopping it up. And she's like, well, if you're going to be here, you know, get out of here. And then they're basically like, come on, we want to learn. We want to learn how to write. You're fine. If I teach you a little bit, will you leave? And she kind of gets that bug again. She kind of it kind of bites her again where she starts liking it. Yeah, feeling, feelings of liveliness, you know, feelings of energy of, you know, living here, the passion. Yeah. Also the reindeer as well, that also gets included as well. When Jasper has to, like, has to, like, wrangle in some reindeer to, you know, strengthen the horsepower, be able to pull, you know, pull all the presents. Yeah, because they had so many loaded on this, on this um, well, the carriage, actually, at the time. It was, it was carriage. a carriage. Yeah and that his one little horse couldn't pull it and he goes well we're gonna have to get rid of some of these presents he's like no 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 and they turn back and they see these reindeer and he's like huh so of course jasper's trying to catch them and jump them and try to grab them and klaus is just like you know giving them some food and like all right come back here and he goes well i, I got their attention for you you know or whatever I, I broke them down so you were able to wrangle them up you know it was, it was kind of funny but i did like that and i counted and i was like there's only five reindeer I was like, where do the other eight, where do the other three come from? <laughs> Maybe you have to That's you know, later, pick up, up later on. Yeah. And then the generosity that Jasper and Klaus are displaying through their actions end up having a bit of a ripple effect in Smearensburg. And there's like some, some camaraderie being formed between a few of the Trumps and the Ellingbows. There's even that uh, neighbor, which I think is the, it's kind of like the mean looking one, the dad or the, or the grandfather. Who ends up building a playhouse for adding both yeah. children? He ends up doing that and adding them into it into the yard. What was that they kept saying throughout the movie? Um, Klaus uh, told him he said one a good, a true selfless act always sparks another. Yes, it always sparks another selfless act. So I thought that was kind of neat. And all these kids started becoming good because that one kid shows up and starts to try to nail Jasper with like snowballs. He goes, "Hey." your friend Klaus only gave me a lump of coal. What was that about? And he was like, you know why he did that? Because, you know, you're a bad kid. He was like, how would he know that? Oh, he knows. He knows everything. <gasps> and he says, you know what he does? He has a list and it's called the naughty list and you're on it. So you better be good. You really think you want to throw that snowball now? And the kid's like, uh, uh, and he goes, yeah, I didn't think so. And that's when, like, all the kids start going, oh, we have to be good in order to get presents. Yep. So they start doing, like, all these good deeds and, like, repairing people's fences or, like, shoveling snow for walkways or, like, just small little things like 
that one woman who keeps like dropping the potted like the pots on anybody who walks by like drops them on their head she drops one and then she they throw it right back up with a flower in it and you know it's little things like that that like kind of start breaking people down um oh that's right um that one woman i thought the funniest part about that was uh i'm rambling sorry but um the woman who has all the cherry bushes or all the kids they pick all their cherry bushes and give her all the cherries and so she ends up in turn giving the kids um she doesn't like it but she does it anyway and she she gives them a here's some jam and the woman's like Ugh, jam and so she doesn't like that she got the jam so she's like fine i'll make a cherry pie for you here here's a cherry pie like stick it in your face you know and they just kind of keep doing it back and forth and eventually they become friends <laughs> which i thought was neat yeah, I like the, I like the breakdown of that and how it all happened. They they didn't want to, but they did it anyway. Starting out grumpy, and yeah, then, and they just made them better people. Yeah, warming the hearts, and also when when Jasper asked why Klaus had said that, the true self is act quote. Klaus replied, "Just something someone used to say," and I feel like in that moment, I feel like I think he's referring to Lydia, but he's just my interpretation. Oh, yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. And then there's a moment where Jasper and Klaus to get ambushed, and then. Like, not flying off, but like they're leaping off with their carriage and the reindeer, and the kid sees them apparently flying through the sky, and that's what starts the whole legend of a flying sleigh pulled by magical reindeer. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was neat. I liked how all of this, like, all this lore became like hearsay. It started off with hearsay with things that like happened on accident. Yes. And, you know, like the, the, the sleigh or the carriage lost its wheels. But the reindeer was still pulling it, yep. and it became a sleigh. And then they went up a, off a cliff. It was kind of like a, almost like a ramp. And they ramped right off the cliff and went over the town a little bit. And one of the kids was like, "You will not believe what I saw out the window last night." <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then Mrs. Crown pushes for a truce between the Crowns and the Edinburghs because she's like, "Hey, there's too much of this niceness, this generosity." The warm heartedness spreading throughout the town is now breaking down our rivalry, our you know, our spite for each other, our resentments. So we need to have a truce, work together to put put an end to Klaus and Jasper's operations, so that we can yeah. continue the fight. And you know, the whole aspect of that storyline, it made it very kind of political in a way, because. Ooh. It was like these people just wanted to be mean because that's all they knew. And they didn't want to change because all they know is being mean to each other and being hateful and hating each other and fighting. And they don't want to do anything else because they don't know how to do that. And they don't, you know, so it scares them. And that's the reason why they didn't want to send their kids to school. They wanted them to be uneducated so that they'd keep doing that over and over. But once education came into into play and once like kind actions came into play people started to change and become better but these people didn't participate in that and they didn't want to become better they wanted everything to stay the same because they're scared of change which speaks a lot to many many aspects of politics in today's world i think that was kind of what the mirror effect of that was supposed to be yeah definitely makes sense yeah like you know the citizens getting stuck in this rut of hatred and basically you're saying and they're just too comfortable in it they don't know how to spread their wings, you know, go over into the, go over into the other parts of humanity, you know, be, be generous like that. Right. It's kind of like when people are, you know, different people are given or not given, but they're awarded 
equal rights to p other people in a way, you know, um, like, let's say, you know, uh, either it has something to do with like civil rights or gay rights or, you know, anything like that. And the people who are not in those categories end up not wanting it because they think it's taken away from them when it isn't, it's not taking away anything from you. And it's just because you're giving something to somebody else and making their lives better doesn't mean it's making your life worse, but they see it as that because they are afraid of change. And I think that's what that was trying to like reflect in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's on point too. Yes. And then uh, Jasper introduces the idea of doing all this gift stuff on Christmas but Klaus doesn't make toys anymore. And to get kind of a bit of into a, like a, a, a bit of an argument here, or not, not an argument, but like there's some difficulties here because there's like that scene where Jasper pulls the blanket off of like this, of the carved tree. It's like, it's like the, the dedication of Zoas to Klaus and, and Lydia. And yeah. Jasper ends up, you know, going away because Klaus is like as mad. And Jasper heads back home, expresses his grievances to, to Margu, who keeps talking, even though like, he can't understand her. Margu can't understand him. And finally, he leads her to Alva, who helps to translate her speech so that you know he can write Margu's letter for her. I thought that was really sweet. I liked it. I thought it was kind of comical at the same time. She's like, and he's like, what? I don't understand you. Like, but I'll talk to you anyway. And he's just venting about all his troubles and worries and what he's supposed to do. And and she's like, and she's just saying random whatever. I mean, that's what it sounded like. Baby talk. We can read subtitles. <laughs> yeah, we needed subtitles for her at some point. At least after, I think after like they started translating, you know, and it seemed like he was kind of learning her language. It should have like had subtitles. Like he should have learned her language, but I don't think that's what happened. I think it's just like they just were like, you know, learning what she was saying at that moment. But I think that would have been fun to see what she was actually saying, and maybe like you would see what she was saying, and he was translating it differently. That might have been fun too if they would have done gone that route, but they didn't. Oh yeah. well. Okay, I will say though. So because actually I learned that from IMDb here it says that Nita Marguerite Lava who voices Tommy Girl Margue, did not speak any English. Sergio Pablo traveled all the way to Tromso, Norway, where she lives, and did a whole recording session through translation and mim mimicry. Oh, so it sounds like they had like an actual Sami person, in a way, doing this, right? Pretty, pretty much. I mean, yeah, according to this, which is, is nice. It adds more authenticity to the, to, to, to the role. Well, that makes it more, I guess, like distributable to, you know, different regions of the world as well, because it, it is more authentic and it's not something like I was saying, baby talk. It's not just some random thing that somebody's making up off the top of their head. It's an actual language and somebody really who speaks it is doing the voice work for it. So that makes sense. They want to make it a little more authentic. Yes, yes. That's respectable. Yes. And then Jasper and Klaus... Uh, deliver deliver the sleigh to Margie, who is so happy about it. Yes, yes. And then Klaus opens up about his tragic backstory to Jasper, about about what happened with Lydia, his past relationship with her, and them wanting kids but never being able to have them. You know, Klaus continuing to make toys for the you know what they're hoping were like future kids, and the collection just kept growing and growing. That's why he had all the toys, and then Lydia got sick. Die. Right. And that's the reason why they had that, like that, that tree house thing that had like, yeah. he, 
he had little figures of himself and Lydia, and then he had all these empty spaces for all the kids he planned to have with her. That's like, fantastic. Dude, there's a lot of like empty spaces. <laughs> How many kids do you plan in? <laughs> like, woo, you you know, he really thought himself to be very fertile, apparently. But um, yeah, I thought that was kind of neat and it kind of made sense why that was why that would be such a trigger for him early on. Yes. And why why he's also so alone as well. He keeps himself very isolated. Yeah. You know, what I also thought was, you know, so you have the little girl, um, what'd you say her name was Marva? Uh, Margu. Margu, sorry. Um, so she she kept keeps showing up at the post office to see Jasper, but then they end up traveling by boat a long distance just to get to her home, which is like a tent or you know a teepee type thing going on. And I'm like, was she traveling all this time by herself? And how does she find out about this because she doesn't speak the language? You know, so. How how did this happen? <laughs> I got confused on that point, but you know, yeah, suspension I mean, of disbelief. I can I can guess that. Yeah, suspension of disbelief. <laughs> and Klaus is considering expanding observations to more villages, but Jessica, but Jessica is planning to leave soon because his letter meter will be full. So you know, what's going to happen? Mm. And then. And then Jasper visits Alpha at her school. She gives him a twelve-hour experience book and shows him the impact that he and Klaus have had on it. Those creepy kids are back with the snowman again, and I love the creaky noise of the carrot nose being inserted. <laughs> Every time we see those kids, they're just like they're still staring, <laughs> just staring. It's really creepy, and they're like, just like they won't like they lock eyes and they don't blink. It's really creepy. And then Margie's family and friends of the community arrive to help out with Jasper and Klaus's efforts. And kind of like becoming elves, uh, in a way, basically. Sort of, yeah, sort of and they're really helpers. colorful. They're wearing these big, bright blue uh, with a little bit of hint of red in it, like, um, outfits. And, like, and they're all, like, he's showing them how to, like, make certain toys or how to, uh, you know, do different things in the shop and help it out and and because they know how much joy it brings and so they want to help i thought that was really neat i think that was i thought that was really cool how they did that and i thought that maybe it'd be kind of cool if they end up being like like you said like elves type people like smaller people or something you know comparatively to him but they were kind of you know they they moved they were up and down in size but it was and then it's and then it reaches december 24th and this is when jasper's dad appears all of a sudden and it turns out that Mrs. Crumb and Mr. Ellingbow had sent all of these extra letters to the uh, had sent all, all these extra letters to like fill up the letter meter for Jasper and also to to alert Jasper's dad like hey you know you can come here now Jasper is done with his operations he can go back home and that's why there's also an earlier right. scene where they had actually broken into Jasper's home and that's when I found out like what he's doing here. Yeah. And the thing was, so they see this whole, like, they see he's written in chalk on the, on the board, like a, like a goal. Like, you know, you see, I want to reach 6,000. He's right now. I got 5,000 or I got 4,000. I got lower. I think he got up to like 4,000 or something. Correct. Something like that. And when they finally saw this wall, like, Hmm. So they figured out what he was doing and they sent like 10,000 letters. So that's like, okay, I'm going to do the math right now because so that's, we'll just say 10,000 letters and you got, uh, a penny each, so 01 
times 10,000. That's a hundred dollars, which back then is a lot of money. And this town yes. is poor AF, you know what I mean? So they, I don't know where they got this money from to send these, these letters, but they did. Uh, unless they've been sitting on a lot of money and they weren't willing to you know, give it away. Which could be reasonable, you know, especially if they're like Ebenezer Scrooge types too, you know, miserly yeah. with some money. And now Klaus, Alva, and Margie's communities are all mad at Jesper because he, you know, he knew he had a plan to leave Spielensburg eventually and he, they feel like he used them. And it, it's kind of like it, it proves Jesper's theory of selfishness of everyone because that's, that's what he's always been like saying that people do this whole movie. It's like, oh, like people, people look out for themselves. They're always focusing on their own interests. Right, correct. That is that is very true. <laughs> Sadly. And then Jasper is about to, you know, leave Smearsburg. I love when Morgan says, Never saw a postman looking more miserable leaving than on the day they came in. Oh well, best leave it alone, I say. I'm sure it's nothing that could fester and eventually become a source of resentment and regrets. <laughs> I li- yeah, I like how he just kind of put that jab and you're like, hey, pay attention to your son. <laughs> and Jasper, and then Jasper's dad, like, we do see a shot where he gives Jasper a serious look. And then we're tricked in the way that it's all shot, this whole scene, we're tricked into believing that Jasper left with the boat. And then Margie tried to catch up to him, but she thinks she's too late. But nope, he's still on the dock. And I was like, yes, I was right. He's still there. And apparently Jasper said, like, his dad had never been more proud of him. And which I thought made sense. Like I'm, 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 I'm glad it turned out this way. And I, and I like how it was set up. Like it, it made sense. For, like the dad to, to realize this and be like, oh yeah, you right. actually want to live your life here. You've actually been able to, you know, have friends here and make something of yourself here. Yeah, it's one of those situations where, you know, you have a, a parent, um, who can give their child the world and has given him everything he's ever wanted in his entire life. And he became spoiled and, you know, and then now he's like, I want you to find something like, well, you never raised him that way. (laughs) That's on you. That's your fault, you know? And now the dude's like probably in his twenties or whatever. And now you're like, now you got to change and you got to do that. And, and, you know, and he had to like send him to this, like completely desperate, like really, you know, this this really turn of events situation where it was completely opposite. I mean, absolutely opposite of what he was used to living yes. and to make him into a different person. And I don't know. I think, I don't know if that always works. I think some people will just, you know, put their head in the sand or in the snow in this case, and just like, and like just kind of deteriorate in real, in the real world. I don't know if that would really work. You know, it has to be really, you, you have yeah. to know that your kid has that in them. But how does he know that he, you know, how does he know? Because he doesn't seem to have paid attention to his son's real needs, which was to learn and make something of himself and appreciate hard work and appreciate all that he has. Instead, he gave him everything. And now he's like, all right, well, I created the monster. So now you're going to go live somewhere else. (laughs) Gave him him silk sheets, which Jasper keeps bringing up in the movie. He just loves the silk sheets. Yeah. And now um, Mrs. Clown arrives with a crowd to destroy the toys. But uh, Jasper is able to swoop in to help save the day. I like this whole climax when Jasper and Clown, you know, they're trying to get the toys away, they're on the sleigh. But the sleigh is unattached to the reindeers. So the sleigh is kind of like riding yes. off in the, in, the, in the mountains and the snow. And you've got the, the whole crowd chasing after them. And there's a big hole in the bag. 
Yeah. And one one of one of them, Pumpkin, uh, gets a tiny tiny little sleigh, if I recall correctly, and and they're all chasing after Jasper and Klaus. Also, there is a moment where after chasing them, uh, Mrs. Klaus's son Olaf ends up saving Pumpkin, that's Mr. Ellingbo's daughter, from falling off the cliff, which does end up kind of like you know being a moment that they call back on, like in just a few, a few minutes. Their eyes lock and they see each other, and it's like well. His eyes lock into her bangs because you never see her eyes. <laughs> it's like, does she have eyes? Like, does she? They're both like huge, and they both kind of look like Wreck It Ralph in a way, like big. You oh, know, yeah. um, they're both just like giants <laughs> and uh, and big brutes. You know, and so like, yeah, and and so they they lock out. And you're like, huh, what's that about? And then it cuts back, and they're still like going down this like hill and they're going off to this cliff and and jasper's like no and he's holding on to it and klaus is like let it go it's not worth it and he's like no and he's putting his hand out and he's like i I was just you know that body horror thing where you see somebody being dragged across the floor and you see their nails come off or something while they're like trying to grab that's all i could think of was like him like putting his hand down and trying to like grab the ground i was just seeing oh my gosh i mean i know they wouldn't have put like bloody nails or anything in this movie but it would have, oh, that's all just, I could think of. I was like, oh my gosh, your hand, your poor hand, you know. <laughs> if this were a Christmas horror movie or a movie where there was, where there was like a Santa Claus killer on the, on the loose, again, like like like, mm-hmm. like an axe murderer, a Santa axe murderer, like Jasper was suspecting what's going on earlier, that would have happened sadly. Oh, totally. Totally. If it was something like, you know, that movie Krampus um, that came out, <laughs> Michael Doherty's Krampus that came out a while back, it would have been something like that. But and it was so like the climax and he's like, no, we can't. And then he stops the sleigh and it's awesome. He stops it. It's just barely on the side of the cliff. And Mrs. Crumb says, I was like, no, I was yelling at the TV at this point. I was like, no, Klaus, go beat her ass up. <laughs> I was like, I don't care if it's a woman, you get to break her back, get rid of her. She's tiny. And, um, which great role for Joan Cusack. Love her. Oh, yeah. Love her voice. She's instantly recognizable in anything Absolutely. she does. And, you know, and then they're like, no, she jumps on there. And they're like, you know, they cut the, you know, and all those gifts that like, go pouring out of the bag. Cut the sack. And down. And to, down into the cliff. I was like, no. I, I was, was heartbroken. I was, yeah, heartbroken. I was, I was fooled because we will learn what happens. But I was, you know, I was like devastated. And Mrs. Crumb and Mr. Ellingbow, they want to spite Mr. to prosper, but Jasper points out the act of goodwill that Olaf did for Pumpkin. Which, by the way, when they pop back up, like they're sliding down the snow, and Pumpkin uh, has and uh, Pumpkin has a Olaf in her, in her arms. <laughs> he was like, she's like, yeah, no, we're not going to change. He was like, one good deed, you know one selfless act or whatever sparks another. And he said, well, yeah, he, well, you need to turn around. And she turns around and sees like, they're in love now. Yes, and love. no, yeah, she's yeah. like, no, let go of it. It was so funny. And then when the crowd goes away, Jasper finds out that he finds a wooden block and he learns that all of those presents had actually been decoys. And, the kids had talked about their parents planning to form this angry mob. They talked about it to Alva, who listened to them, and then Alva was able to plan with handing things out with Klaus. And that and, and now the sleigh was a real presence arrives. And Jasper and Jasper, and Jasper was like, wait, if was my coming in, was it really awful nothing? Yeah, and they're like, well, 
wouldn't say that. That he proved that he cared. Yeah, he, he proved that he cared, and that he's he's being selfless. He gives crap about other people. Exactly, and now and now Klaus yeah. gives him the blue cap, and Christmas gifts for all the good kids. And now we're wrapping things up with uh with Jasper's voiceover. Jasper's voiceover comes back because he also did a voiceover at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. to opening things up when that blue envelope was being sent through the through the Royal Post Academy. Yeah. For some reason, I got like How to Train the Dragon vibes off the voiceover was delivered in this specific style for some reason. The way the book ends the movie from the opening and the ending. Yeah. It's kind of like Hickok also giving the voiceover for the opening and the ending of the How to Train the Dragon movies. Okay. I think I've only seen one of those a long time ago. So. <laughs> okay. You should, you should watch the whole series. The first, movie is, especially, I, the first movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. Animated movies of all time. Okay. And the sequels are really strong, too. <laughs> I might. I'll see, I'll see if I can track them down. <laughs> but um, I do like how, how it ended and how he gives this whole story about how through the years... They, they keep their friends, Klaus, and he had this friendship, and they do this every year. Because that's where, at one point, he's like, because earlier on, he was running out of toys. He had all these toys, and he was like, I'm almost done with all these toys. He, no, no, you got to make more. And he was like, I can't make more. And he was like, and that's when he was giving up, because he didn't want to make more, because he made all those for his kids. He wanted to get rid of them. He didn't want to think about the future kids that he was supposed to have. Mm-hmm. And now he's getting rid of these toys. He didn't have to think about that anymore. And when he finally comes clean to Jasper, he goes, all right, fine. We'll do this thing. We'll start making them. And, you know, and Jasper had this whole plan of like Christmas. We'll do this around Christmas every year. And they'll give you plenty of time to create all these toys throughout the year that you can give away. And so that's when Klaus is like, yeah, we'll do it. We'll finally, we'll do it. And that's when at the end of the movie. Expansion of operations. Yeah. The more and more towns as Jasper remains, Klaus is postman. Mm Mm-hmm. And he and Alma get together, and they get married, and they have kids of their own. And Pumpkin and Olaf got married, too. Yes. And the, the poor horse. <laughs> Pulling them away in the carriage, and it's just, like, slowly creeping. Because they're huge. Yeah, like, again, they're, like, like they're huge people. <laughs> it's like, oh, that poor horse. And they, you know. So now, like, the crumbs and um, what's the other? Yeah, I think crumbs. Yeah, the Ellingbows, now they're like family. Now they're in-laws, you know, begrudgingly. But you know, they have to deal with it now. And uh, they've kind of like solved that whole problem of the feud with that, you know, marrying two people together. Yep. And just, you know, I'll let you take over for the ending, but keep going. Yep. And then the 12th year arrives for these operations. And, the, and, and Klaus, he is, uh, Klaus is out, you know, out in the forest. And he's got he's got birdhouses. Oh, by the way, we also have the birdhouses too everywhere. And we, we pop up they pop up several times throughout the movie. But mm-hmm. you know, we're looking at the birdhouses here and Because his wife loved birds. Yes, yes. And we've got the magic wind blowing and he says, I'm coming, love and then he leaves his axe behind, he walks up to the golden light off in the off up on the hill and he disappears. Kind of like a Master Uwe, I would compare it to that. The way the Master Uwe kind of like kind of kind of like just vanishes off on his own and mm-hmm. comes to Panda. And again, that's also one again, as I pointed this out before, one of the moments where Lydia pops up in spirit form after wind and now they're able to, you know, rejoin together in the afterlife. Which, you know, it, it, it's a poignant moment, you know, very, very touching. It is. 
and Jasper tries searching for him, but nobody knows where he went. And he says at the end he can't explain what happened to Klaus, and then he goes on to say, what I do know is that once a year, I get to see my friends. And then we can hear the jingle bells ringing. And that's the end of the movie. That's Klaus. And I am in tears at this point. Like at the very end of the movie, like I was, okay, this is a little slow moving. It did move a little slow. It did move a little slow at the beginning, especially. And, you know, and that's why I was saying, you know, maybe not be, be for kids, maybe families, maybe adults who are being nostalgic for, you know, of course, Santa Claus and whatnot. And it's fun, like all the circumstantial stuff, circumstances, I can't even say it, circumstantial stuff that happens to create the whole folklore behind Santa Claus. And, but it's really about their friendship and how it all got started. And then when he says, I can't explain it, what happened to him, it's like he faded away. But I do know that every year, once a year, I get to see my friend. And that is like the whole spirit of St. Nicholas, spirit of Santa Claus comes back and delivers presents to kids and uses him to help. And I just thought, I just, I don't know. I just boo hooed at the end. I was like, oh, that's so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And even with the seams, because I felt like an important theme for this movie is the contrast between selfishness and selflessness. And how, Mm -hmm. because I feel like this movie does touch on how, like, it's how certain characters are like, oh, the kids are only doing this stuff, only being nice because they want gifts. The gifts are a drive. It's an incentive for them to act nice. But then it, 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 but then, well, I, maybe it maybe starts out that way, but then them being nice ends up being genuine, them being kind and thoughtful. And again, it, 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 it spreads the ripple effect. And I think this movie also touches on the power of kindness. And which is a, right. you know, a common theme, something you see in, in a lot of movies. It does say feel like movies t- aimed towards kids. I feel like animated movies was it was a lot to say like, oh, you know, kindness is, is important. And, you know, having friends and being thoughtful of others. It's a common theme, even uh, even everything ever all at once. That's like such an important theme mm-hmm. in the movie. It's a power of kindness, and how of uh, how impactful that can be on people. And I saw that and you know, it's 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 executed well in this movie. Yeah, it is. It is, and you know, like you said, like they're doing it for their own kind of selfish reasons at first because they want to get presents, and that's a kid. That's a kid thing. You know, you can't blame kids for that. They want fun. They want adventure. You know, and they they want presents. So they start doing these acts of kindness, but the adults and the people that they're doing this stuff for don't know that. They just see acts of kindness, and so therefore, that's where it sparks them to do something. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's like, you know, that's kind of like in a way it makes me think. All right, so. I don't know if you watch social media influencers or whatever. Um, sometimes like you'll see videos and like, Hey, I'm they're taking videos of themselves. Like, Hey, I'm going to give this homeless person a, a good meal. Uh, you yes, should yes. do this. And it's like, you're doing this just to get followers, you know, and you're doing this just to give yourself like a good pat on the back, you know, and, and, in public forum. But someone seeing that and, and someone not like me who will see it for what that is, will go, you know what? I want to do that. And maybe it'll help influence somebody else, which that could be the good outcome for it. If yes. you think of it kind of yeah. like in that way, yeah. but at the same time, you're like, I can see what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. You can't help but be a little cynical, which, you know, I, I, can, like, some, um, I can some sides of that, you know? Yeah. 
you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's not a good thing to do, but when you're doing it and you're putting this person's face out there, like this person's homeless, you know, and I'm going to give them a meal or I'm going to take them to, you know, get some clean clothes or, you know, and you're like, but did they want to be featured on TikTok? You know, <laughs> probably not. They you know, probably... do they even know really what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> they probably want to own cyberspace. They don't want their faces plastered all over social media and getting a whole right. bunch of likes and hearts and retweets and crap. And you know, I think the masses. I'm not saying that everybody is can, will fall for that. You know, and it's like, oh wow, this person's really kind. I think a lot of people do think that. They don't see it for what it is, for what it being this whole, you know, like I said, self-important, I'm patting myself on the back. Look how good of a person I am. It's more to them. They say, oh, this is a good deed. And, you know, maybe I could do something like that. But then the thing happens where people start filming it over. And I'm like, are you doing this to get notoriety or are you doing this to actually help people and to show people? You know, it's in the same regard where you see like celebrities, I'm donating so much money to cancer research or I'm donating to this children's hospital. Like, why do I need to know that? Just do it. You know, yeah. why do I need to know? I don't yeah. need to know. Just keep it to yourself. <laughs> it's nice you know? that you did it. A but at the really same easy. time. Right. You know, at the same time. It, it, so there's like the there's a good side and the bad side of that. There's whole, like I said, making yourself feel good self-important. You know, because I did something good. See me, look at me, look how good I'm being. And the other side of it is other people go, oh, wow, you know, they've donated money. That's great. I should donate money, you know, and it you know, influences somebody else, which is a good thing. So it's kind of a double-edged sword in a way, you know. I, I can see that, definitely. Again, that is Klaus. Again, this is a really enjoyable movie, and I'm sticking with my 80 out of 100 wind-up score. Uh, do you have any more thoughts to offer on it? Uh, no, I think, like I said before, I think it's, you know, I think 75 is a good 75 to 80, you know, like that we're around the same. Um, and it's because it had a, a, a great, had a pretty, had a good story as far as like the moral of the story type of thing. It had a good moral tale to get to tell. Um, it was simple. It wasn't too, you knew it was going to work out right. It's a Christmas movie. You oh, know, like I said, like when you watch a Hallmark movie, you know, they're going to get together and you know, it's going to be about the spirit of Christmas and family and love and la di da di da but you still watch it because you want to feel that, you know, you still want to feel it's a comfort and who doesn't like to watch something that's a comfort, you know, yeah. it's wholesome and it's traditional. It's something that everybody can relate to because so many people, you know, believe in Santa Claus or did believe in Santa Claus at some point in their life. And so this is kind of nostalgic for them. That's why I think it's more about a, an older audience, somebody, a teenagers or up, you know, somebody who could watch yeah. it and be like, you know, that's neat. I like that. It's a good story. It's a good moral. And uh, kids can watch it too. I don't think they grab, they'll, they'll see it for, you know, Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. That's, you know, they'll see that kind of stuff. They're not going to grasp the whole moral story aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you on all of those points. And I'm, I'm excited actually to, to see what Ember will be like. Again, that's, that's Sergio Pablo's next movie. I still write and direct. And again, coming out on Netflix scheduled for next year. So I'll mm -hmm. keeping an eye out for that. Yeah, too. Me yeah. too. And also, I want to say also that Will Sasso, he played Mr. Ellingborough. And then Sergio Pablo, he also had a couple of cameos in the movie. He played Olaf and Pumpkin, those, those two who end up getting married at the, at the end. Oh, he played both those parts? <laughs> and also, I completely forgot, to, I forgot to point this out. Remember how Pumpkin would only say mine? 
That was her only word, except when she said right, when Mr. Edinburgh was scheming to have Jasper and Charles like, kicked out of the town. Mm-hmm. Those are the two words, mine and right. <laughs> and there's also that scene when the old man wakes up on top of the roof when, he, when he's sleeping, and he wakes up and he's like, he's on top of the roof. And that's one of the, one of the little acts that the actual kids probably did. The kids probably like, I don't know, I don't know how they do that, but the kids probably lifted him up there somehow up the roof or maybe the adult did <laughs> i don't know but one of those well, i wouldn't doubt it i wouldn't doubt it'd be the adults because they're so they were so rude like the pettiness in that town at the beginning especially was like like i said that you know everybody was doing something just horrible to each other for no reason and i'm i'm fairly certain that was a body yeah yeah the more we talked about this. and even at the end they were carrying something and i was like those yes. have shoes at the end that, it comes back that's a body yes just the shoe i remember the shoe <laughs> so but i mean did they kill the person or were they just like you know funeral directors or something you know like um yeah, undertakers or whatever you know that's possible who knows but that <laughs> is netflix's klaus and once again thank you so much dustin for coming on here to talk about this with me really fun oh yeah I'm glad you kind of you lit a fire under me to to watch this movie because I kept it's been in my Netflix like queue since 2019. I just kept I'm like not yet, not yet. you know you know how you do you put yeah. stuff in your queue and you're like not I yet. <laughs> I want to see it, but not right now. You know, so it kind of made me all right. Let me just rip the bandaid off and watch this. So it was good. And I liked it. Exactly. Yeah, it's been on my watch this for a while too. And even like when I I you know I put it down as one of the one of the contents. You know, one of the pieces of media with the cover. And so I'm glad you also picked it as well. And like hey, you know. Finally, giving motivation to watch it, and now we have. That's what happens. I, I do that a lot with my podcast, especially with books, especially yeah. because I'll be. Like, I have all these books. Like you can see behind me, I have all oh. these books, oh, and <laughs> I've read most of them, not all of them. You know, I've got some of them. Some of them give me as gifts or whatnot, and so sometimes I'll I'll plan episodes just so I can like okay. I need to read this book and this planning an episode will give me a deadline. It'll give me motivation. I need to do this so I can talk with this person about it. So I have to do it by this certain time and it'll really make me do it. So I end up doing that a lot and, and it helped a lot, especially in the beginning of doing my show. So, you know, I, I totally understand. <laughs> Yet another way that podcasting can have that kind of, you know, significant impact on your personal life. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's a great motivator. All right, and now we can move on to the next segment of the show, which is Good Word. Now, this is where each of us gets to recommend something, a book, a movie, a TV show, a podcast, music, whatever we want. So, Dustin, what is your Good Word? I actually have a, a few things um, to bring up, if that's okay. Because oh, um, I was like, I can't decide if I want to focus on one of these things or just all of them. So I figured I'd just write something out for all of them. So right now, I, I want to point out that I, I've been catching up on Doctor Who. I don't know if you've ever watched Doctor Who. I, I love Doctor Who. I want to. Though. Oh, you should. You should. It's good. It's you're, You need to start now because they're going to start getting into the 60th anniversary. So oh, the show nice. is like, yeah, it's been around for like 60 years now. I think 60 is going to be in 2023, but it, it took a little bit of a break, you know, for a while there from like the nineties to early two thousands, there's a little bit of a break, but it came back in kind of revamped in like 2006, I believe. And so I've been watching those, the newer new who basically that's what they call it because I kind of got behind and, um, it's, it's been really good. Uh, so I, I recommend watching Dr. Who it's fun. It's not too complicated. 
And um, if you ever have any questions about it, you can reach out to me and I'll, I'll explain. Um, it's on HBO Max right now, but I think it's moving to Disney Plus in 2023. That's right, And they're going to distribute the new episodes. Yeah. But I have also been loving the new Quantum Leap, which is on NBC. Right. I've been hearing about it's, that too. Yeah. It's it's actually, it starts off a little slow. The first few episodes are kind of like, what's going on here? You have to get to know the characters a little, you know, in the situation. But I've really gotten into it. Um, I really like the new cast and like the new storyline. They help move it along a lot faster. It's it's really good. I think you should check that out. Uh, secondly, I, I just watched on HBO Max the other day. Uh, actually, was it yesterday? Yesterday, I watched A Christmas Story Christmas. So I don't know oh. if you've seen the original Christmas Story with Ralphie and You'll Shoot Your Eye Out. You know, it comes on TBS every year and like repeats for 24 hours. I feel like I should see that. But A Christmas Story Christmas... What'd you say? I feel like I should have seen that sometime because I haven't, but I want you, to. Have you never seen The Christmas Story? Nope. Nope. It's a huge gap. <gasps> you definitely need to watch that first. Definitely. And as somebody who grew up with it, you know, my entire life, because it came out in like 1981 or 1980, something like that. Um, it's it's basically, it's based on a, a kind of a memoir or, or fictionalized memoir by this guy named Gene Shepard. And he writes about growing up and one of these, it was based off a, uh, a story in this memoir about him as a kid in 1940 and just having this, this Christmas, right? And, and the stuff that happened and his family was kind of like not the richest family. You know, they're not, they didn't have a lot of money. And it's all about how his father was, you know, kind of a, a lughead and um, his mom was naive. He just wanted a BB gun. And, and it's all about like his friends and the, and the bully in the neighborhood and all this stuff and fantasy sequences and whatnot. Well, what they did was um, they had that come out and it's been a big popular movie for years and years and years. And for some reason, they made like a straight to video sequel called A Christmas Story 2, which was the same character, the boy who was like 12 in the first movie. And in the That's sequel, nice. it's like 16. It's a completely different cast. It's not good. Just skip it. Don't watch that. But the new movie that just came out, A Christmas Story Christmas, is about him in, at age 40 or 50 coming home with his kids and going back to the same house, the same neighborhood, seeing his old friends. And what they did is they took those kids that they filmed this movie in like 1980, 1981, the same kids. They got them again to play the same roles wow. that they played back then. What's funny is, I don't know if you've, have you ever seen Elf? Yes, I have. Now that I have seen many okay. times, a childhood favorite. Well, one of the producers of Elf and one who actually played one of the elves, um, the one, the head elf that was like the manager that was putting him in different jobs and was like yes. checking to see how many units he had made and all that stuff. Yes. That's the kid. That's that's who the kid who played. His name is Peter Billingsley. And oh. he played young Ralphie and he plays older Ralphie. It's the same guy. You can tell because he's got these really blue eyes and he always wears glasses. Okay, wow. Um, I never made that connection for some yeah, reason. A, okay, but yeah. makes sense um, now. Yeah, he's more into producing. He doesn't really star in a lot of stuff now, but he produces a lot. But every so often he'll pop up in like bit roles here he did, and there. He did pop um, up in, in the MCU because he, he's, in, he's in the first Iron Man movie. And then he was also in Spider-Man Far From Home. Well, the thing was, Iron Man was directed by John Favreau, who also directed Elf. Yes. Okay. That's that makes sense. You see now. the tie in there. 
<laughs> it's all connecting. It's all linking together. It's all coming together, man. <laughs> but that's a really good uh, Christmas story. Christmas is a good sequel to a Christmas story. So you should definitely watch a Christmas story and a Christmas story Christmas. If you're going to watch them, watch them back to back. You might as well. If you've never seen either. So, yeah. Uh, on to uh, podcasts. Um, I want to give a shout out to my friend Kay's podcast. Her podcast is named, um, I'm not going to say the word, but F my work life. <laughs> Trusting it's okay here. I wouldn't let, let you know that. I know. I don't know how censored you want to be, but it's a great show. It's about just on the job stuff, you know, stuff that comes up when you're at work or, you know, the shenanigans that happen and it's her and her husband. And she's actually my co-host for the rewatch recap for my so-called life. So she's been on with me and we've been making parody videos and stuff together. And we've recording, we're actually recording our next last two episodes of that tomorrow. So um, I don't know by the time somebody hears this, but <laughs> it's, it's been really fun and she's really good people. Definitely check out her podcast as well. F my work life. It's not hard to find. Um, if you want to find her, she's at FMWL pod on pretty much any platform. If you want to find their, you know, social media stuff. And the lastly, the books uh, recommendations. I'm actually just started a sequel book to a book I read a couple of years ago. It's called uh, Mina and the Slayers. And the first book was called Mina and the Undead. It's by this lovely um, author. Her name is Amy McCall. I met her through some friends. She was actually on my show for Dustin Can Read and Watch. If you want to look for that, it's called the episode's called Amy and the Undead. So um, she's... Uh, She's really cool. It's very neat. What's funny is that she's British and this is set in New Orleans. So it's kind of like, it's, you know, and it's about vampires and whatnot. And it's, it's really fun. It's a fun kind of a um, young adult read, but it's not too young. It, it can be read by any age. It's not really too, you know, hokey or too, you know, teenagey. It's actually, she's like 19, I think. So it's like, she's, it's like new adult actually, but it's a, it's a fun, um, that story you can order on Amazon, I'm pretty sure. And I don't think it's in our bookstores here because it's printed over in England. It's not published here, but you can still order it off Amazon and it'll be shipped over. Yeah. So those are my good words to, to spread. <laughs> All right. Thank you for doing that. And now we can move on to my good word, which is Yamo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. This is the Netflix series, uh, anthology series specifically that just uh, popped up recently. And I would compare it to something like the Twilight Zone or, you know, Black Mirror in terms of, like, how, you know, it's an anthology and uh, episodes are laid out in that fashion, except this is focuses on horror. This has quite a few, you know, really lovely episodes in it. I think particularly my, my favorite episode out of this is the viewing, which I won't give away spoilers, but, like, you know... I would say that's my favorite episode. I also think episodes like The Autopsy and The Outside are also really good. Uh, I'm not crazy about all of the episodes, I would say that, but I feel like that's something, you know, you can get you, you can get that happening for, I feel like, any anthology because it's an anthology. It's mm -hmm. like you got different people handling different episodes, so it's not going to be, you know, even all the way through. But overall, I think this is a show worth checking out. Even like the way that each episode opens up, it has like Guillermo del Toro coming in to introduce the episode, lay out the premise, and the way he walks in, it kind of it kind of feels like Rod Serling opening up uh, mm -hmm. the episodes of Twilight Zone, which I really appreciate. 
I like Guillermo del Toro. He's most of those are based or kind of creature feature based in a way. Right. Um, it's more about the monsters and whatnot. Cause he loves him some monsters with Pan's Labyrinth. He also did uh, uh, scary stories to tell in the dark, the adaptation of that. So he's, he's all about the monsters in his the, movies. The, the and, water so, and Hellboy. And yeah, exactly. Like and he seems like a really nice guy too. Oh yeah. I, I, I've heard great stories about him as well. Like just as a person, a, a human being. Yeah. And Pinocchio, of course, coming out. I mean, it, it's, already, it's, already, it's already coming out. I think it's out in theaters, I think. But it's going to come out on Netflix next month, which I'm, I'm not, able to, I'm not right. able to see it in theaters at the moment, but I'm probably going to see it on Netflix. But I'm very excited for that. And I've heard many, many great reviews for this about how emotional it is. So I'm preparing myself for a hard-wrenching time. Who knows? Maybe it could end up being a a best animated picture winner at the Oscars. I mean, that that is the phrase I've been, I've been hearing from it. Quite possibly. That's how good it's been, apparently. And it's nice also <laughs> because, you know what, like we had that Robert Zemeckis uh, Pinocchio reboot on Disney Plus earlier this year, and I don't know if you saw that, but I did, and it was so dull and unnecessary. Well, yeah, all of these, all the Disney remakes from their animated movies aren't really necessary. I do think they did a good job of like translating like the cartoon to live action, especially the fact that they kept Pinocchio looking the same and a lot of the shots were really similar. They didn't try to make, I like that they, they started going back and like, you know what, we're not going to try to make these creatures or animals look too, you know, real like they tried to do with lion king and it kind of like wiped the emotion yeah. off of the faces of like the animals you know yeah. and which no that's part of why the lion king was great they had like a you know they had emotion they expression. had expression and, and then yeah. right so and while it wasn't i didn't like the i definitely didn't like the ending the way they changed the ending of the new pinocchio of for robert zemeckis so i didn't like that i thought that was kind of like no 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 no, no. he turns into a real boy that's how it ends and they kind of make it like, did he or did he not? Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that. I thought that was really stupid. But other than that, I did think I, I liked the most part of how they translated it. But you're right. It really was unnecessary. And um, like most of them are, if you're going to do it, you better do it to where it's like, oh, wow, they should have done this from the get go. Like, you know, like, and, like, yeah, like VDT apparently is doing it. Even when his trailer came out for, the, for his Pinocchio adaptation. I remember watching the first trailer, and I was like, holy crap, this looks amazing, just visually, and like a stop-motion animation, and, and, and from that point on, I was like, okay, this Pinocchio reboot actually looks like it could be worth something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, it looks really neat, and I like the way they're, they're playing with the story a little bit, and like, Pinocchio's carved from like a a magic tree or, or something that was enchanted or whatever. That's basically the kind of the premise for it instead of like the fairy wish or it might, there might still be a fairy wish involved. I don't know. haven't seen it yet, but yeah, I do agree with you on that. I think, um, I think that'll be really cool. All right. So that's my good word. Uh, cabinet of curiosities. I hope there'll be a second season because I would love to see more of these episodes, you know, coming out in the series under the, under the GDT banner, more of these episodes. And I'd love also like, to see, like, because we got, we got some good directors for these episodes, too. Like, uh, Jennifer Kent, mm -hmm. one of the directors, or the director of Mandy, of Panos Cosmatos, was on. So he directed uh, Reviewing, which, again, is my favorite episode. Or David Fryer. And I hope we can get more, more directors. Like, I, I, I love to see, like, Alex Garland directing episodes. Or Chloe Okuno. So, 
Yeah, that's my good word. Well, they had a lot of good stars in each one, it looked like, too. I haven't watched it yet, but I did see the trailer, and there were quite a few, like, you know, decently decent names. And most of them were British, What I, I you know, I found. I thought that was yes. kind of interesting as well, yes. that most of the cast was British throughout each of them. So and I was interested in it, but I get a little trigger. I get triggered sometimes when I watch horror, so I kind of have to, like, pace myself or I have to be in the right mood to watch it, um, or it has to be the type of thing I would watch. I'm, I'm more, like... And I just, it, it depends, you know, I, as I've gotten older, I used to be able to watch it when I was younger, more than I have been able to when I'm older, you know, a lot more stuff has happened in my life. So it kind of makes me go, oh, I don't want to feel like this right now. <laughs> so I kind of stay away from it. But yeah, I, I can get that for yeah. And so yeah, that's like a word, the cabin to curiosity. Sounds good. Now, once again, thank you so much, Dustin, for coming on here. And now you can give your social, oh, yeah. you know, with your podcast. Okay, yeah, so sure. So, again, my podcasts are named uh, Dustin Can Read and Watch or the Rewatch Recap, which is the one that's more active at the moment. Dustin Can Read and Watch, I've kind of on break for a while. I stuff going on in my life. So, But the Rewatch Recap, it's, it's ongoing. It's weekly every Monday. When Dustin Can Read and Watch comes back, it'll be Thursdays. So... But you can find me on socials um, on Instagram. Um, I am at Dustin Can Read or at the Rewatch Recap. So um, you can also find me on TikTok at Dustin underscore Holden. That's D U S T I N underscore H O L D E N. And I'm on there just making silly videos and, uh, you know, of course, what's what you do on TikTok. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, find me there, comment, send me, you know, talk to me you know, listen to the show. Let me know how you, what you think. I'm always asking people like, Hey, find my post for this episode and comment back. So hopefully you do that. And, you know, I hope you enjoy. <laughs> All right. And as for my socials, you can find this podcast on Twitter. Well, I mean, as of this recording, you can find it on Twitter. Who knows what happened? <laughs> That's why I didn't mention Twitter. <laughs> well, Twitter. <laughs> Twitter and Instagram at two underscore sense critic. You can also follow my personal accounts on Twitter, GoodPods, Letterboxd, and Storygraph at author underscore ant18. You can also find me on Goodreads at author Howell. If you want to email me, you can reach me at email at twocentscritic at yahoo.com. You can check out my blog at twocentscritic.com. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, GoodPods. Google Podcasts, you know, all of those services, and make sure you have some ratings and reviews, especially helps to, uh, helps to, you know, have an impact on the algorithm, you know, bumps podcasts up the numbers. Totally. I agree with that. Support and, your podcasters. Uh, if you listen to a show, give them a rating, you know, and uh, tell them that you like it. Yes, yes, definitely. And... Uh, Again, this has been a blast going through Cows with you, Dustin. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And thank you for, like I said, giving me the motivation to finally watch this movie. And I'm glad I did because I really enjoyed it. And I've enjoyed talking to you. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate you uh, asking me to, you know, ask me to do this with you. And uh, I hope you have a happy holiday season, sir. Yes, thank you. I hope, I hope you have a happy holiday season as well. I've got to mention also that... This whole episode will be part of December, and it's, it's part of the Christmas, you know, holiday spirit. The whole I've got the whole Christmas theme set up for all of December. Awesome. All the episodes in December. Awesome. I should have mentioned that earlier, but I'm mentioning it now. <laughs> <laughs>
it's okay. I'm sure they figured it out by now. <laughs> We're talking about Christmas movies, so. <laughs> All right. And until next time, stay healthy and stay strong.